So keep on rocking in the real world. This has been a series really just built around this idea that we have to come together as people who know Jesus, who desire to follow him and say, hey, if I trust Jesus, then I need to allow that to to be demonstrated through everything that happens in the rest of my life, my choices, my decisions, how how I go through life, that, that, that we want to bolster our faith, that we want to strengthen it and allow it to really dictate the pace of all the rest of what we do. And, and this morning, uh, we just continue on that pathway and say, hey, hey, uh, faith actually, when we, when we see it lived out, is going to be wise every day. That, that faith, that trust in God, uh, really has to come together with wisdom, Actually, this guy, he's a pastor, um, he's, he's writing to a church, uh, his name is James, and he comes along and he says, hey, there's, there's two pathways uh, that you can go on this deal, uh, but you need to know that if you, if you have faith, if you trust in God, uh, then you have to take the wise path. This morning, we're going to see that there are two paths that you could take. There's the wise and the otherwise. Uh, Really, there is the heavenly pathway, uh, the things that come from heaven. There's the wisdom that is from heaven, and there's the the wisdom that is of the earth. Uh, You could say that that there is a a pathway uh, that is, well, it's the pathway that is filled with humility. And then there's a pathway that's just uh, filled with arrogance and boastfulness. Uh, there's a pathway uh, that is, is not only heavenly, but um, James, the pastor, is going to say, hey, uh, there's a pathway in which you are a friend of God. And he said, there's another pathway in which you're not a friend of God, you're actually a friend of the world. And this morning, we look at these two pathways, and, and you know that you get to choose. Now, there was a husband one day, and his wife went into the closet, and she just thought, um, hey, I think I'm going to try on my, my wedding dress. And so she goes in, and she opens up the closet door, and she tries on her wedding dress, and, and she began to cry. And ladies, some of you know why she began to cry. She began to cry because she no longer fit into her wedding dress, and she was sobbing. And, and the husband, he was faced with these two lines. He had the wise and the otherwise. And he thought, what do I say? So he looked at his wife who was sobbing because she could no longer fit into her wedding dress. He said, you know what? It's, it's o- going to be okay, honey. It's going to be okay. We can get a bigger one. <laughs> I'll let you decide which pathway he chose. The wise or the otherwise. But James says that these two pathways are really real. If we, if we have a, a faith in, in Christ, if we desire to be his disciples, if we want to say of our life that we are followers of Jesus and we desire to have the kind of full, uh, crowned kind of life that James talks about that we can have with Jesus, he says, you're going to have to choose well when it comes to these two pathways. And he begins to describe the sorts of people that are wise and are otherwise. 
the people who, who are humble and the people who are boastful, the people who are, walk in heavenly wisdom or the people who walk in earthly wisdom, the people who are friends of God versus the people who are friends of the world. And this morning, you and I get to choose which pathway are we going to choose. Open up your Bibles, if you would, with me. Um, I'm going to be in James chapters 3 and 4 today. So if you haven't already turned there, go ahead, uh, grab a Bible from the pew back in front of you. If you don't have a Bible at all, please take that one with you. We want you to have the Bible in your hand. If you feel like you're stealing, you're not, go ahead, take it. If you have a smartphone, find, find something on that smartphone. Um, go to the version, the Bible app, and get that Bible. We want you in it every single day. James chapter 3 is where we're going to be this morning. And James is saying that there's two pathways, a wise and an otherwise. A wise and an otherwise. I, wanna, I want you to look at the, the wise He begins in verse 13 in chapter 3. He says, who is wise and understanding among among you? How do we know these people? He says, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. A little later on, he kind of expounds on who this whole wise group is. He says in verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure and peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Hey, if you need advice, who are you going to go to? These are the kind of people who, who live in the wise line, right? If you have a, uh, you're about to make a big purchase, Maybe it's going to be a home, or maybe it's a car, or maybe you're deciding on, on which college you should go to, and you're trying to make the best choice for you. You're trying to discern which way should I go, what direction should I take, how much money should I spend. And you're looking for someone who's wise. You're looking for someone who's going to give you good advice. You're going to look for someone who's going to be truthful with you. Which line do you want to go to? You're going to go to the wisest person that you know. You're going to go to the person that that you know is going to shoot straight with you and be honest. Uh, Maybe it is that that you've been caught in a conflict and you want someone that's going to give you advice on how how you need to try and go about it. How How do I interact with people who are in conflict with me? If I'm in relational hardship right now, how how do I navigate those waters well? You need a wise person. You need someone who's humble and peaceable. Uh, I thought of this question this week. For some odd reason, I began to think the wise person, the difference between the wise and the otherwise, the, the person from who, who, who looks to have wisdom from heaven versus wisdom from earth, I, I thought of the person... What, What kind of person do you want if you accidentally rear-end someone? You've just rear-ended someone. They're stopped at the stoplight. You you didn't see it. They stopped a little quickly for you. And you run right into the back of them. Which person do you want to step out of the car? Right? Do you want the person who, who James describes as humble and peaceable uh, do you want the person who, who is impartial and sincere, a peacemaker? 
Or do you want the person who's the otherwise coming out, yelling at you, pointing their finger, expletives coming out of their mouth? Who is it that you go to? See, James says, hey, if you have a faith and it's actual and it's real, it's going to be recognized in how you go about living. Did you catch it? He says, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. That's, that's the wise line. You see, he's saying, I want you to be in this line, and I want you to seek out people who are in this line. But notice he says that there's another line. There's the other wise line. There's the people that don't live with the heavenly kind of wisdom. Notice what he says about them. He says in verse 14, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, James says, just doesn't come down from heaven. It's earthly. It's unspiritual, even demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. Have you ever known a person who every time that they are come in conflict with someone, they have to be right, and their decibel level gets a little higher, and their face gets a little redder, and they look at you, and maybe they point their finger, and they're going to be right whether they're right or not, and they're going to win because it's not, really, it's not really about the truth, it's just really about victory for them. And James says, hey, you're going to know these folks by the way they go about living. And he's looking at a bunch of Christians like you and me, and he's saying, hey, there's two lines, and you get to pick one, and I, I hope you'll pick the right one. But James knows something that you and I also know. See, all of us in this room right now, you're thinking, I, I want to go to the wise line. I want the heavenly line. I don't want the earthly line. I don't want to be that guy who... who who, who told his wife some really bad things, right? We don't want to be that person. We want to be well-prepared. We want to be the sort of people that other people uh, can go to when they're, they're in crisis, when they need advice. That's the kind of people that we want to be. But if you're anything like me, you've chosen the wrong line once or twice, or maybe 10 times. Can, can I ask you a question? Why is it that we choose the wrong line? Why, why can we sit in places like this and we can go, I, God, sign me up for the wise line. Uh, sign me up for the heavenly line. I, I want to be in that line. That's the line I really want to be in. I want to be someone other people can be uh, confident on. I want to I be seeking people, th those kind of people in my life. I don't want to be the red-faced person. I don't want to be the angry, arrogant person. But how many of us, if we're honest... At times in our life, we've chosen the wrong line. There have been times at work, there have been times at work where I've chosen the wrong line. The question is why? Why is it that I choose the wrong line? Why is it that when someone else in our office, why is it that when when a president or an administrator says, oh, they point them out, they give them a name, they say, well done, they say, hey, would you like this speaking opportunity? And you know what comes up in my heart sometimes? 
Not all the time, but sometimes. You know what sometimes comes up in my heart? Sometimes what comes up in my heart is, how come they get that opportunity and I don't? I'm a better speaker than they are. Doesn't God know all the things that I've been doing lately? You know, I've been serving more than that other guy over there. Why is it that we choose the wrong line sometimes? James comes along with his people and he says, you know why we choose the wrong line? Sometimes we choose the wrong line and it has nothing to do with the other person. It has nothing to do with the person who got the opportunity or who you thought was rude to you. James comes along and says, you know why you're struggling right now? It's because of the evil desire that is rooted in you. Ooh. Look at what James says. He says in verse 1 of chapter 4, what causes the fights and quarrels among you? Why do we quarrel? Why do we fight? Why do we do this? He says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And he's going to give two reasons. He's going to give two things that we have to pay attention to as to why in the world we get in the wrong line. Why do we get in the wrong line? He says, first of all, you get in the wrong line because somebody else has something that you want. You want it and you can't get it and so you're angry, you're upset. You begin to quarrel with them. You begin to fight with them because they have what you want. Notice what he says. He says, you desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. Have you ever been there? Maybe it is that in your life, at some point in your life, you have had control. Uh, you have been able to make decisions. And when you have been making decisions, people have actually listened to you. When you said, hey, I want you to jump, some people said, how high? When you said, I want this done in this way, people said, okay. And perhaps, perhaps it is that someone younger than you has come along and now they're in a leadership position over you. They don't have as much experience as you. They don't know as many things as you do. But technically now they're your boss. And they want you to do some different things. You're no longer in control of your own destiny like you once were. And you've begun to resent that. You've begun to allow this bitter feeling in your heart uh, to just crop up time and time again with those that are working around you. And you, think, and you think, oh, if I could just get rid of that person, everything would be fine. And James is saying it's not the other person. James is saying if you want to get in the right line, if you want to get in the wise line, if you want to live out this faith in the lab of life, if you want to live wisely and allow your faith to lead you in that direction, then you need to take a really good, slow, careful look in the mirror. He says that desire is coming from within you. And the reason that you're fighting that, the reason that you don't like it is because you recognize that they have control that you want. And you don't like it very much. And it makes you bristle. 
You don't like the decisions that are being made that you used to be able to make, and so you're angry. And James is saying, if you want to live in the wise line, if you want to live over here with heavenly wisdom and being friends of God, then you own the reason. Why is it that we get in the wrong line? Sometimes it's because someone else has something that we desperately want and we're willing to fight over it. He says the other reason. The other reason we sometimes get in the wrong line is because we stop trusting God. You see, faith throughout the Bible is tied to prayer. In some cases, in some Gospels, it seems like we demonstrate our faith by praying. Will Jesus find us praying? Will He find us faithful when He comes again? Seems to be the question. <coughs> and James says sometimes when we get in the wrong line, Sometimes the reason we get in the wrong line is we just simply stopped trusting that God was good, that He was willing to give to us, that, that He wanted what was best for us. Take a look at it if you want to. It's in chapter 4, the end of verse 2. He says, you do not have because you do not ask God. You stopped praying. Why is it that you got in the wrong line? It's because you, you stopped praying. You stopped trusting that God was good. That He had something in store for you. That He wanted what was good for you. But you stopped trusting Him. And He says, even when you started praying, you prayed for the wrong stuff. Have you ever prayed after the fact? Okay, everybody's silent. I have prayed after the fact, okay? Have you ever like presented your agenda before God? You had this dream and so you, you gave your blueprint to God and you unrolled it before Him in your prayer time and said, hey, hey, God, this is how it's going to work. This is the plan. Here's my agenda. Now I'm praying so that you will bless it. God, I, I don't really care what your agenda for me is. This is about my will, not yours, be done. Right? He's saying sometimes you get in the wrong line because even when you do pray, the motives behind your prayers aren't where they ought to be. They're not about the kingdom. They're not about heaven. They're not about wise living. They're not about living in faith the way you ought to live. He says uh, sometimes even when you start praying, you pray for the wrong stuff. Notice what he says. He says, sometimes you don't pray at all. Verse 3 says, when you ask, when you do pray, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you can spend what you get on your own pleasure. Why is it that we choose the wrong line sometimes? James says, sometimes it's because someone else has something that you want and you're angry about it. You're bitter. He says, sometimes it's because you stop trusting that God is good. That you think that God has somehow abandoned you and what you want from this life. And you have stopped praying or you have stopped, started praying, uh, but only for yourself. My will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Now, there's a serious outcome to this. If you choose consistently to get into the wrong line, if you choose consistently uh, to be angry at other people, if you choose consistently uh, to pray or not to pray, to stop trusting God, uh, James is going to say, hey, there's some serious consequences to this. There's an outcome that you and I uh, don't want to live into. He says, in fact, he uses, he uses two metaphors. He two, uses two images. One's super intimate, and the other's kind of a warring image. He says the outcome. The outcome is brokenness in every way. Notice what he says. Look at verse 4. He says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. He uses two images. One's intimate. The other is warring and political. The intimate image is that of an adulterous person. He says, hey, if you continue to choose to get in the wrong line, you're an adulterous person. You're committing adultery with the God of the universe. In other words, you have separated yourself from God. You're saying to God, you're no longer meeting my needs. I'm no longer satisfied with you. I'm going to go find something else. What you're saying to God is, God, you haven't given me what I wanted. God, I wanted that job. God, I wanted that boyfriend or girlfriend. God, I wanted that school. God, I wanted that income. God, I I wanted... This to happen at my church. I wanted this to happen with this person in my life. I, God, you're not giving me what I want. And so I'm going to go to some other pasture, some other place. I'm going to get in another line because evidently they care more than you do. That's what James is saying. He's saying the outcome is that you're separated from God. The outcome is that you are, are making yourself an enemy to God. That when you choose to get into the wrong line, and when you choose to do that consistently, he says, you're a friend of the world, and you're automatically an enemy to God. And the idea of being an enemy to God, this second image that James uses, he's saying, you are rolling up your sleeves and say, God, I'm ready. I'm going to war against you. You want to go to battle? I mean, it's kind of like James is saying that what you're saying to God is, God, you want a piece of me? Come on. If you're a good God, you wouldn't be doing this to me. And what you're saying right in that moment is, I'm switching allegiances. I'm going back to the world where I came from because you must not care anymore. So what's the cure to all this? What's God's response when we get in the wrong line? If we're living over here in the otherwise line, what's God going to do about it? James says, don't underestimate the power of God's grace. Look at verse 6. 
He says, but he gives us more grace. Super abounding grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. You got in the wrong line. I've been there. I've maybe even made myself an enemy to God once or twice. What's the cure? James says, God's grace is still good for you. You see, God doesn't give up on His people easily. If you have been married to God, He doesn't just say, well, see ya. Hope the door doesn't hit you on the way out. Sorry. No. God says, I have a grace for you. And the way James writes, he says, I have more grace for you. And the idea really here is that, that this grace isn't just a, a, a you know, run-of-the-mill sort of grace, if there is any such thing. It's, it's the kind of grace that actually empowers you and enables you to begin to come back and submit yourself and accept what God has for you. It's the kind of grace where we come and we humble ourselves and we get down on our knees and we begin to look back to heaven and go, oh God, I'm so sorry. I want to get back in the right line. I'm ready to get back in the wise line. I'm ready to get back in the heavenly line. God, I know that you oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble. Lord, that's the line that I want to be in. And our response to grace is always repentance. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all of my sin. And our response to that kind of more grace, the kind of grace that empowers us to submit to God, deserves our repentance. Deserves for us to turn around and get out of the otherwise line and say, I'm, I'm going to beeline to the wise line. Notice what he says. He says, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. <clears throat> come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. He's saying, hey, hey, if you got in the wrong line... Would you recognize that God still loves you, that He still cares for you, that there is grace that wants to empower you to come back to Him, to get in the right line, to get in the line that is filled with heavenly wisdom so that you can begin to live out that faith journey again? But will your response be that you would repent, Christians? This was written to the church. This was written to those who in their own faith journey, they got in the wrong line. Church, if this morning you can say of yourself, you know what, I've been living in the wrong line. If you've said, you know what, my attitude hasn't been very good toward other people in my church. If you can say, you know what, my attitude hasn't been very good. I've been quarreling and fighting and I've been blaming everybody else. I've been living in the wrong line. I want to encourage you, church, would you repent this morning? 
If you need to come down and and get prayer for that, uh, would you do that? Would you not allow this morning to pass? If you're living in the wrong line, would you allow, not allow the morning to pass before you repent before God and return to the right line? Would you figuratively or metaphorically, would you get down on your knees and would you look up to the sky and would you just say, Lord, I, I give you myself again. I turn around. I've been living in the wrong line. I've been blaming the wrong people, Lord. You are good. And I need to come back to the right line. If that's you this morning, I want to encourage you to come. I want to encourage you to get prayer and get in the right line. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you for your goodness. We love you. And I pray, Lord God, that that all of us in this room, I pray that we're going to get in the right line. I pray that our faith would be real. I pray that we wouldn't be fake. I pray, Lord, that our faith would demonstrate itself by how it lives. And I pray that, Lord, we could be humble and kind and good of deed. That we could live this life in the right line and lead other people to do the same. Lord, we love you. We long for you. We repent. If we've been living in the wrong line, Lord, help us find our way home. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.